You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio. If we met at a cocktail party, how would you describe yourself? My name is Guy Story from Mississippi. Uh, I've lived in New York City for a very long time. I used to be in the tech industry for many, many years. And I have uh, recently quit working and have a rock band. When I quit working, um, one thing I was super clear about was I wanted to start a band and write songs and make music. And so, you know, I haven't achieved world fame, and uh, it seems unclear whether that's ever going to happen. But um, I get a lot out of it. The uh, sense of discovery of making something new is gratifying and exciting and and vexing and challenging and uh, fulfilling all those all those things that idea of a sense of discovery I think is a is a great segue for us to start talking about this story because this is a story you discovered at this point well, about two years ago In March of 2021 this is a story that I had no clue about and now all the people who knew about it are are dead and uh so i have i have almost nobody to talk to really i mean nobody to to get more info from my grandfather my father's father died when my father was 10 years old so i never knew him <clears throat> his name was eugene eugene story and march of last year 2021 my cousin uh gay story just out of the out of nowhere sent me an email apparently when i was a kid or teenager or something at a family gathering my father had come up to gay with a newspaper clipping he pulled out of his pocket that had some story about his grandfather brooks story about something uh you know related to crime or you know something not great and showed it to Gay and said he hadn't told me or my brother about this because he was afraid it would upset us. So then Gay stored this info away for, you know, decades, never mentioned it. So she was worried it was going to upset me. Still, she was worried. So she reached out privately to my sister-in-law, Shannon, and said, Hey, Shannon, in all of your genealogy research, have you... Uh, have you come across any kind of, you know, uh, negative stuff about Brooks or his brother? And Shannon said no. But given this little clue from my cousin Gay, Shannon started doing some Google searches where, you know, if you, if you Googled Brooks story desperado, you know, Mississippi... <laughs> Then all of a sudden you get a zillion hits. And <laughs> it's like hiding in plain sight, you know, this this story. So you just have to think to add desperado to your search. Yeah, you just window. need to add <laughs> Yeah, you just gotta so this is a tip for everybody, you know. Whenever <laughs> you're searching for anything, throw in desperado on occasion just in case. You know? Yeah. It's like rolling the rolling the uh the family history dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then Shannon said, Wow, look, you know. I found some stuff. Special dispatch to the Appeal Avalanche, Jackson, Mississippi, February 14th, 
Clarion Ledger, May 21st, 1896. Brooks Story and Sam and Seb Russell, on the night of October 8th, 1891, held up the express agent at Durant, Mississippi, and robbed the company of $2,396. On November 21st, the three broke jail, having overpowered the jailer, whose wife fired at the fleeing fugitives. February 5th, Detective Jackson tracked Story through the jungles of Yazoo, Sunflower, and into Starkey counties, locating him at the house of a farmer where he had tarried to rest his jaded horse. And en route to jail, after a severe struggle, again effected his escape. He's referred to as the you know most famous desperado from Mississippi at the time. At some point, I stumbled upon the fact that Brooks's younger brother Eugene had been convicted of murdering a guy and was hanged in a public hanging um, in Lexington, Mississippi. And, and I thought, wow, that is that is a big thing. And then my brother made a funny comment to me that we have we share a. I think a Y chromosome with a desperado and a, and a murderer. So let me ask you then, you know, going back to this idea that your dad knew something about this, but never really talked to you about it because he was worried it would upset you. Did it upset you? No. Not that I condone um, robbery or murder. Right. I certainly don't. I mean, just go on record and say that. <laughs> of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the news went through the families, and then there was all this email threads and stuff about it. My wife and I have two kids who are teenagers, and my brother has uh, four kids, teenagers and young adults. And my cousin, Gay... Who, who was still kind of imprinted with this, this idea that this might be shameful or upsetting. She sent me an email and said she, was, she felt bad that she had even kicked this off because now the kids knew and that she was worried that they were upset. So it's, it's an interesting thing that sense that this would be upsetting to people. From WALTFM and PRX, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman. After the break, a Mississippi story about the stories of Mississippi. I thought, well, I got to write a song because I'm I'm a songwriter, so I got to write a song about this. This is too interesting. I was trying to figure out what is the song. I, I didn't want a song that just. It was like the ballad of Brooks' story and just telling the, right. you know, a straightforward, you know, telling of the story. And then I thought, you know, my grandfather, whom I never knew, was, I think, four years old when his father was convicted. And he spent most of his, up, you know, most of his childhood, 10 to 12 years, his father was a famous desperado and was in and out of jail. He kept escaping, and there'd be shootouts, and then he'd get recaptured, or he'd stay out for a while, and then he'd roam around the country, and then he'd come back and visit his family. And 
I thought, wow, what a life for a kid to have where that's who your father is. And so I thought I never knew my grandfather, Eugene, and I would write this about him. The song would be addressed to him. Eugene, your father has been seen. Do you know where he might have been? Despite what he's done, I know he loves you. ask you specifically in the song, in the chorus, you say, you know, Eugene, despite everything he's done, he loves you. And what's behind that? It seemed like the, the, the way that Brooks got depicted in all the zillion uh, newspaper articles, it, you know, he was a mixed character, but he stayed connected to his family. And so I just figured two things. One was he I think he probably did love his family and and this was, you know, this was kind of unfortunate that he was you know, supposed to spend years in the penitentiary and also just I think I probably speculated that for Eugene, my grandfather, he he probably needed to needed to know that his father cared about him. In this, it's to to provide him, yeah, some kind of, uh, uh, you know, stable emotional existence or something. It's tempting for me to see, not maybe not a connection, but some interesting interlacing, I suppose, with the idea that this was a story that was not shared with you until you were much older, and. In the song, what you're quote-unquote doing, you know, obviously Eugene can't literally hear the song, but, you know, depending on what you believe, hopefully he can hear it. You're providing him not just with the story, but with a loving interpretation of his father. The, what you've received is the idea that you can't know this story because it will make you upset perhaps not love your family in the way that you otherwise would. You're doing both 
for him. You're saying, here is the story, and also it does not change the fact that your father loves you. These two things can coexist. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that as I was trying to get into the mindset of talking to my grandfather about this and commiserating or or something, I, I had that feeling like, you know, this is still your family. He's still your father. I want to go back, though, to the, the verb you used when you were talking about what you're doing in the song. You said commiserating, um, which is a very interesting verb to use. Do, do I, should I interpret that to mean that the narrator in the song who's telling the story, giving this information to Eugene, do you imagine that as you yourself? Yeah, I imagine it as me, myself. I'd have to go look in the lyrics and see whether I actually give any more hint to that. But, uh, you know, kind of connecting it with our earlier, um, you know, the earlier discussion about whether this was upsetting or not to me, it's, you know, like I am a descendant of this guy and I have the same, and I have an ancestor with with this checkered past. And so, um, you know, I guess in a way it is some kind of... uh, it's not a celebration, but it's an acknowledgement of family and family bonds, even in the midst of adversity or complication. Do you view the fact that your dad didn't share this with you all as an act of love? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, my father was a child of the Depression and then was in the Army in World War II. And, you know, sort of classic, okay, now he's going to make things better for himself and particularly for his kids. You know, the kids are supposed to now rise another level. And um, so I'm going to speculate that he, he just, he didn't want he didn't want us burdened by this past. It's interesting to me that, you know, we had this big family um, with these big stories who were living in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, which is in uh, the sort of the center of the state. And my grandfather, Eugene, moved away from Kosciuszko. They moved south in Mississippi to get away from all this stuff. So my father grew up in another little town in South Mississippi, and that's where uh, Eugene's wife, Daisy, my grandmother, lived. And so that was where we would go visit Daisy. That was where my father grew up. That was where our roots were, so to speak. Nobody ever mentioned Kosciuszko. We never went to Kosciuszko. I've been to Kosciuszko maybe twice in my life. Everybody just shut that down. Everybody who knew 
My father had three siblings. I'm sure they all knew this story, and Daisy as well, and nobody mentioned it. So it was really like they were just er- trying to erase it from the, the family history and, and move on and not be tainted by it, not be upset by it, whatever, whatever else might be uh, you know, negative, a negative effect of it. Yeah. And yet, and yet you shared it with your own kids right away. Yeah. What, 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 what prompted you to do that? <laughs> it was just that, it was that instant uh, fascination with the story. And, you know, uh, the fact that it had been held, withheld from us. I just, you know, I, I couldn't wait to tell somebody about it. And in fact, I was mentioning uh, that I was going to be talking to you, to my daughter, and we were sort of replaying this whole scene with Gay and my dad at the family gathering. And, and my daughter asked me, was I upset when I heard this news? You know, and I said, you know, no, I was not upset. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I actually I did ask myself, like, at what point do you not, like, if, my, if I discovered my father while I was l- alive, with, living with my father... And my father got convicted of, of a felony. You know, I would be ashamed of that, I think. I were, I, it, would be, it would be a very difficult thing to accept and to know whether I could talk about it. I've wondered, you know, like, at what point does it become fascinating and shareable versus something that you kind of keep to yourself and don't want to share? Time is a, is a great launderer of uh, shame. Family Ghosts will continue in a moment. To me, it's also interesting that you discovered this additional branch in the story of your family at a time in your life when you left sort of one life behind and set out on a new path, left your career in tech and are now focused on music. Is there a sense in which you are discovering new facets of yourself as you discover new facets of your family history? And do those things inform each other? I will say that, you know, I have, I've lived most of my life in New York City, and yet, you know, I feel this deep connection with the South. I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Southerner. But my father was not, you know, he's, he was kind of an introvert and a socially awkward guy and not very, every time I asked him about his childhood, he just he never really told me much, I, you know. He was not a, a gregarious talker sharing a zillion stories that would fill out what life was like growing up in Mississippi. And so having all this, this vivid stuff all of a sudden show up was kind of, for me, just really kind of great because I feel like my picture 
of his family and their growing up and all that is very, it's kind of minimal and a, a, a lacking in color, I would say. Well, and it, I don't want to lose sight of the fact, too, that if, if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, your father lost his father when he was 10, right? Yep, yep. So... Yeah, and yeah, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. My father did a bunch of genealogy research later in his life. And and I remember his telling me, you know, the names of his his grandfather, Brooks, and yet he didn't mention any, any of this stuff. So I guess the word was his father was kind of strict. Maybe his his father, Eugene, the one that I sing to, mm-hmm. um, was, you know, in an attempt to you know, set things right after the sort of the scandal of his of his father and uncle um, got very, you know, kind of locked everything down. My father was kind of a locked down, micromanager, emotionally stingy kind of guy. And then my father lost his father. And so, I don't know, I guess there was a sort of a survive and make it work ethic that kicked in. Well, one of the reasons that I'm fascinated by this story for Family Ghosts is, as you pointed out, on its face, it's just a fascinating narrative. But also, it puts its finger on this idea that I think is at the heart of almost every story that we do, which is there are these stories and elements of our family histories that get withheld, and it is very easy for folks of later generation to look back at that withholding and feel like they were robbed of something or not understand why these things wouldn't have been shared. And it's very easy to lose sight of the privilege that accompanies being alive in a time when you can acknowledge the uglier parts of history and also hold empathy for the people who perpetrated that ugliness or were associated with that ugliness. And that was not always so. And maybe, you know, I don't know if I have uh, any authority to say this, but maybe especially in the South. Yeah. Both of my parents came from little towns in Mississippi, poor families, and there was this sense of a sort of class system in Mississippi amongst the white folks, you know, the white folks who were from the Delta, who had a lot of money, and then folks like in the pine forests in the South, where my father was from, or the red clay hills where my mother came from, where, where the land wasn't so good. And they were trying to make themselves succeed in a world where they were kind of a, a lower class in a way and uh, amongst the whites. And there was this kind of pervasive feeling of like trying to do everything right and be 
above reproach and follow the rules. That was kind of the, the whole family vibe. And so, yeah, that doesn't mix with saying, eh, and oh, by the way, you know, um, we've got <laughs> we've got this crazy, this craziness, you know, craziness and and uh, and crime and murder and on the run and shootouts. And that's not the sort of thing that would have helped them succeed in this uh, middle class society in Mississippi. I struggle with being, you know, an introvert and having some of the same qualities as my father. And so part of songwriting for me is just trying to unlock myself and get get what I'm feeling out there and and you know, muck with it and see it and explore it and express it and and those sorts of things. So um I, I guess in a way, I'm I'm on a I'm on a like a personal quest to to do more of that and kind of come out of my own shell and that was imposed by this sort of lockdown um, ethic of my own family. And so finding a story like this, it's almost like it's liberating in kind of a weird way. It's like, wow, there was some crazy stuff going on there. And, you know, I, I, I and it's my people. I'm always reminded in with stories like this of one of my favorite movies is Magnolia. And there's that recurrent line in it, we may be through with the past, but the past isn't through with us. And it's such an example, this story of how you can attempt to suppress the reality of who your forebears were and formulate this idea that that legacy will not affect you. But even your own dad, he he seemed to know in some innate way that he needed to keep some tangible connection with this in the form of this clipping and literally and figuratively pass it on at some point. And I'm sure in his head he couldn't move on. I mean, it was, it was, it was stuck with him, and he probably just didn't know what to do with it exactly. Well, and now there is this song out in the world that really lays it all out there. And does yeah. it in a way that is a much richer, emotional, potent telling than just a kind of dry narrative on an old newspaper clipping. Just to say, like, I am just an, a, a fan of the song Pure and Simple. I think it's an awesome song. And there's so many things about it that appeal to me. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about just from a songcraft standpoint, and whether or not there's any tie-in to the narrative that we've been discussing, is on that chorus, you say, Eugene, your father has been seen. And it's, the harmony on that is really beautiful, but it's also very, it strikes me as almost, there's something almost like church choiry about it. it. It's so big and resonant, and it's so many voices and i have this image of like the light of truth like bursting through the clouds <laughs> um, <laughs> oh that's nice that's nice and i wonder what your thought process was in in building that that harmony i think i had a sort of urge to make it kind of anthemic and big um and it was like a, a, a it's kind of a 
deeply emotional reaching out to Eugene. You know, one of the things that struck me was there, there was a, like a little, you know, there's so many newspaper articles, like zillions of them, really, all across the country about Brooks. And um, there was one where it was just like a little tiny blurb. It was like a, it was like a column of like just blurbs of, you know, here's, a, here's a, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. And one of them was Brooks' story was seen. That was it. And I thought, this guy was famous enough that, 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 that the fact that he was seen at all was newsworthy, and they didn't have to say anything more about it. And I just thought that was kind of remarkable. So um, I don't know. That was sort of inspired this. And I thought, you know, here's my grandfather. He's a kid, and his father is not home, and he doesn't know when he's going to show up. So I just felt like, you know, it was, it was kind of like a big reaching out to him saying, you know, your father's out there somewhere and he loves you. Last question I have for you uh, is, you know, we're talking about this story that has haunted your family for multiple generations. And your last name is literally Story. Do you make anything of that? <laughs> um, I, I would like to, and people like that name. They think it's an interesting name, but I, I can't say that uh, there's any kind of uh, mystical thing going on here. I think it's just an accident. Yeah. The story of the stories. The story of the stories. There you go. Despite what he's done, I know he loves you. Family Ghosts is hosted, produced, mixed, and edited by me, Sam Dingman. Thanks to this week's guest, Guy Story. Find Guy's band at storytownband.com. And check the show notes for links to a blog post he wrote to accompany the release of his song, as well as a music video. Guy also wishes to extend his gratitude to his cousin, Gay Brass, his sister-in-law, Shannon Story, his brother, Scott Story, and the genealogy librarian at the Atala County Library, Ann Breedlove. Our show art is by Teddy Blanks, and our theme song is by Luis Guerra. Family Ghosts is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Kindred Spirits, our community of supporters on Patreon. For just $5 a month, Kindred Spirits get access to all of our episodes ad-free, and they also get exclusive bonus content that's not available anywhere else. We couldn't make Family Ghosts without their support. So if you have the means, please consider joining them at patreon.com familyghosts. And if you don't have the means, no worries. Please consider supporting the show for free by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. It will take 30 seconds of your life 
and it will make a huge difference in the life of family ghosts. Thank you for listening, Ghost Family. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Family Ghosts, where every house is haunted.